0: Welcome. This is John Spear. I'm the co-founder and uh, I guess resident guru at Greenlight And you know just a little bit about Greenlight We're a software company, and and we're really changing the way companies are managing their their quality system. And today we're um, we're we've been doing a the the global medical device podcast now for for a while. And uh, today we're going to shift gears a little bit and. and um, try to make our content a little bit more conversational and, and a little bit more informational uh, for you, the listener. Today, I do have with me a uh, familiar guest on our podcast. I have Mike Drews. Mike is is a prolific speaker and consultant to the medical device industry, as well as being the president of Vascular
1: Sciences.
0: Mike, how are you doing today?
1: I'm well, John. Thank you, and nice to be with you in, in the audience again today. Well, Mike, you, know, you and I... Um, we're talking a few
0: minutes ago, and, and we decided to, to bring this conversation that you and I were having uh, and, and into this podcast, and the topic loosely today is, is risk management, and, and as you and I both know, uh, people talk for days about risk management, and we're going to kind of try to narrow that down a little bit, maybe do a little bit of an introduction into the topic and, and look at it from a perspective of maybe a regulatory affairs uh, side of you, but also from from a product developer's point of view as well and and, uh, try to make some sense of this topic risk. Does that sound good? I think that
1: sounds great. And for the benefit of the audience, I think there's two things that we wanted to highlight in this short podcast. Uh, One is uh, just a couple quick examples of some of the tools that people use for risk management. Um, And the second is how sometimes... Uh, things like um risk management is uh, is is diametrically opposed to what we want to do from a product liability perspective, especially when it comes to risks associated with on versus off label use of a medical device so john why don 't you start us off by talking a little bit about some of the different tools that people can use, and then we 'll sure. talk about the uh on versus off label use liabilities sure i mean I, I, I think it's
0: probably no secret today, if, if, you're, uh, if you're in the med device industry, you probably, if you haven't heard of this, um, I'll be real surprised, but there is a standard that uh, we should all be very familiar with, and that standard is ISO 14971, and, you know, so so first of all, that this needs to become your framework uh, for your risk management process. Uh, there are a couple of versions out there, of course, uh, there's the 2007 version, uh, which for the most part is is uh is the way the, the the world is the medical device world is is aligned from a risk management standpoint. There is a two thousand and twelve version which is accepted in europe and theoretically the only differences are there there's a couple of annexes in the two thousand and twelve version uh that historically have been informative, but you know, from a European standpoint are now um, supposedly now required. But you should be familiar with both of those, especially if you have products going into both the U.S., Canada, Europe, and, and abroad. So, um, But aside from that, I mean, there are a couple other tools or documents or information that you should be aware of. Um, in addition to the 1.971, there is a, a, um, a guidance document for that standard. It's called ISO-TR. 24971. Yeah, it's not free, but it's probably worth the the few or the couple hundred dollars investment. And then aside from that, there are other tools, things like FMEA and fault tree, hazard analysis and so on. It It can be very, very confusing. So hopefully today we start to shed a little bit of light on some of the pros and cons of some of these different approaches and and um and some of the tools that you can use to, to capture your risk management activities well, John, that
1: was a great overview of uh, some of the 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 general tools um and let me share with you uh, a scenario that I was involved with recently um and you can talk about how uh these are addressed in in any of those documents, if at all uh but recently, I was invited to facilitate a brainstorming session in a large medical device uh, company um, where we were essentially um, ticking off all of the risks associated with this new medical device that the company was was developing. And uh, so we were doing essentially an engineering engineering brainstorming session and people were, were lifting off all of the risks that they could think of associated with the on-label use of this particular medical device. And then Mm -hmm. the topic of risks associated with the off-label use of the device uh, came up. And as soon as that happened, the ranking person in the room, a uh, uh, a senior VP, said that this meeting is over. Don't let the door hit you and do you know what on the way out. Um, I'm I'm wondering, I'm going to leave this as a rhetorical question for you, John, but for the audience, why do you think he said that? And then, John, the question to you would be, um, what in the documents that you just referred to distinguishes risk from um, an on versus off-label use, if anything?
0: Um, Mike, you you always ask these loaded questions, and um, I'm, I'm going to do my best in this conversation that you and I have today uh, to not give the cliche answer of it depends. Um, the, the, uh, hopefully we can provide some tidbits and some useful information, but, um, your, your story is interesting to me because it reminds me back, uh, to a prior life where, where we were involved with a stent product and Mike, you're familiar with stents, I'm sure. Right. Yep. And, and, uh, once upon a time, uh, the, well, as you know, getting a, a stent for a vascular uh, or a coronary indication is is a little bit more difficult than a stent for a biliary indication. Um, but once upon a time, the, every stent company in the world would would release their product as a biliary stent uh, first, knowing that anybody who was going to buy that product was going to use it. For coronary or some sort of vascular indication i'm I'm sure you probably were involved in scenarios or or aware of that situation. It's probably about uh gosh, probably about fifteen years ago. do you remember when when that craze was was in the market i i
1: uh I, I have no knowledge of any conversations along those lines <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah but uh um thanks
0: for the tongue in cheek but uh um but yeah, that was a scenario. What a lot of companies were faced with is, you know, especially like engineers, right? They they know that they're designing this product for an indication that's different than than the clearance that they were going to get on this particular product. Um, so you know, what do you do? Do you do they focus their their SMEA or their risk management activities only on the biliary indication, uh, or do they also think, huh? I bet a doctor could use this for a coronary uh, case and stunning a patient who's got clogged arteries. And, and should I also think about the risks that are associated with with that use, even though it's not how I'm labeling my product? Um, so this, you know, haven't been a part of this in a, a time or two. From a from a risk management standpoint, as an engineer. You know, it's kind of this moral dilemma. What do you do? What don't you do? I mean, you know, the powers that be, you want your product to be labeled as a biliary device, but everybody in the
1: knows, I mean, it's the it's the elephant in the room that you don't talk about. Everybody knows it's going to be used for coronary case. Well, John, for the benefit of the audience, for those that uh, are not quite as, uh, have not been playing this game quite as long as you and I have, uh, let me just briefly explain the reason why my friend, the senior VP, ended the meeting uh, when the topic of off-label use came up is simply because, from a product liability perspective, if an opposing counsel can show, and I've been involved in a couple of uh, uh, expert testimony uh, cases like this, if the opposing counsel can show that the manufacturer knew or should have known, or as my attorney friends like to say, was thinking about a risk associated with a particular product that they did not adequately mitigate, then you can actually be held to a higher level of liability than if you cannot. So um, This is why I often say, from a regulatory perspective, we want to document everything, but as soon as we do, from a product liability, we want to shred everything. Um, it, It does sound a bit humorous to a lot of people, but that is the unfortunate reality, so my pragmatic advice, and John, um, I'd be curious to, for you to share your, to the audience what, uh, what your advice would be, but my advice is that when, when I go into companies to, uh, to help them with their risk management strategy, which I spend a fair amount of my time doing, um, at the beginning of the meeting, we will agree as a group that we will limit our discussion to the risks associated with the on label use of the product, and we will not mention or talk about risks associated with the off label use um, of course we will we will not write that down in the meeting notes. we will not make any documentation of that whatsoever, but it 's a uh, not to be sexist here but it 's sort of a gentleman 's agreement at the beginning of the of the meeting um, to avoid that believe me from a from a Humanitarian perspective. I wish we did not have to do that. I wish we right. could be um, honest and open and candid, and uh, and talk about this. Um, but but John, in a similar situation, uh, how would you advise the audience to handle a, a situation like that? Well, I mean, it's
0: it's uh, it's certainly one of those delicate topics, and and it's one of those things where you know hopefully I mean I'm not naive to think that there won't be another uh, product. Uh, case where, you know, the, the the product that we're designing is really intended for a a much more stringent uh, regulatory classification and, and uh, type of indication for use, and that somehow or another I'm going to try to find a, quote, loophole to bring a product to market with a lesser indication for use that I know uh, physicians are going to use off-label. I mean, it, I suspect that that's probably happening in a number of other areas today as well, but it's it's um, you you raise a really good point i think regardless of of what um you do or do not cover during your your risk management discussions on in your teams, you need to define what that scope is of that discussion, and you need to try to stick to that scope and and a good way to start is is defining here are the indications for use for this particular product, this is what we're going to stay focused on. I mean, it's an interesting way to do about it, and, and I think you know one thing we should probably highlight too, Mike, is there is a difference between uh, off-label use, you know, intentional off, um, off-label use and unintentional off-label use, and for me, I don't want the audience to be confused. If you're going through a risk management um, activity, a failure mode, effects analysis, hazard analysis, what have you, uh, it's my opinion. That you do consider the unintentional off-label use of your product, because you know if people are going to use your your device incorrectly. You need to you need to be thinking about that from a risk management standpoint. Do you agree or disagree
1: about that? Yeah, absolutely, John. And obviously, the topic of off-label use is a is a hot topic in the medical industry, not just in the medical device industry, but in the in the drug side of the world as well. Uh, but from a strict reading of the regulation um, versus the intent of the regulation, John, do you think that the regulation asks people to uh, differentiate between the two? Um,
0: you know, the, and, and you're you're jogging a memory here, and and I don't have the, the document right in front, but but my. Memory of, uh, like 14971, for example, I, you know, I kind of use that as my, as my risk management. It's just, um you know, it's, it's, it's my encyclopedia, I guess, or, or whatever the Wikipedia is probably a more, uh, apropos, uh, reference today, but it, it is my go-to. When I have a question about risk, I'm going to go to 14971 and I'm going to try to find, uh, a, you know, specific clause within that standard to, to support. But my memory says that that um, the 14971 does talk about unintentional misuse as as something that you should consider as part of your your risk management process, and I believe they do use the term misuse. Um, but I don't remember if it does specify uh, intentional misuse of your product as part of 14971.
1: Well, John, it's it's an interesting topic. We could probably have another discussion about. Uh, Uh, about trying to equate misuse versus off-label use. I have many um, uh, physician friends who would probably argue very strongly that the off-label use of a product is not necessarily misuse. On the contrary, um, oftentimes the off-label use of a product, and again this is not unique to medical devices, the same thing happens in drugs all the time, the off-label use of a product is actually the standard of care it's actually what we teach in medical school. Um, yeah. Which, but you know, from a from a
0: product developer standpoint, I mean, that's that's um, boy, that's a uh, that's loaded, man. I, you know, if I'm an engineer, <laughs> desi- <laughs> if I'm an engineer designing a product, I mean, how can I possibly think about all the ways that a doctor may conceive of using my product? I can't. I just can't you can't. You're
1: right. You can't. Uh, but just just to kind of uh, get this close to the end because we're we're almost out of time in this particular session. Um, I'd just like to share one other real quick story that was shared with me uh, not long ago and that is one of the companies that I work with their CEO was doing a presentation at a conference talking about uh, their new medical device and uh, off script he started talking about some of the off-label uses of their new medical device long story short there were a couple of fdaers in the audience talk about getting your hat your hand caught in the in the cookie jar but yeah. the irony there is that every single person in the room including the two fdaers knew that that is exactly how that particular medical device was being used in the real world and so, really, it gets to the age-old philosophical question, and in, in that is, uh, yeah, we have all of this regulation, design controls and risk management and so on, but is it realistic? Um, and one thing that everybody in the audience should keep in mind is that the FDA does not regulate the practice of medicine. That is, the FDA cannot tell physicians what to do. The only thing they can do is tell us, meaning industry, what to do. And the simple reality is that we can put anything we want to on our label. Only use our product this way. Never use our product that way. Once our product leaves our door, we have no control over how it's going to be used, and that's yeah, something and it, that all of us should keep in mind.
0: Absolutely, and and it's just as a product developer, I mean, my job is to make sure that my my device is safe. And you know, what does safe mean? Is is uh, sometimes a difficult thing to, to answer. But you, you know, you certainly have to consider. Uh, how, how the product is going to be used and how you intend for it to be used and, and make sure that the product is safe. And risk plays a big part of that. You know, to think that, that a device that you're going to develop is somehow absolved from risk is, is, is ludicrous. Everything we do every day carries some risk. Uh, you know, my short example is, you know, most of us get in a car and we drive, uh, you know, places every day. And we don't think about it, we just do it. We accept that risk. And then, you know, we all know somebody who's afraid of flying. And and the person who's afraid of flying somehow uh, equates that getting on an airplane is riskier uh, than getting in a car. And, you know, they drove to the airport, chances are. Um, and, you know, we all know that uh, if you look at the statistics involved, that, that flying is much safer than driving. There's a much uh, greater likelihood that we're going to have some sort of accident in a car than we will on, a, on an airplane. So I think, you know, when you think about risk in that context, it's very important uh, to consider that everything that you do, including your medical device, it is going to have some risk involved. So, you know, having a practical, pragmatic approach of, of identifying those hazards and the harm and assessing the severity and the likelihood and uh, risk and so on and so forth, um, you know, it, it, can, it can be overwhelming, but if you stay focused on the intended use of your product, and 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 keep safety in mind, then I think, at the end of the day, you're on the right track. Well, that's a good
1: point, John. I'll just wrap up my section of this uh, discussion uh, by uh, offering two pieces of pragmatic advice for the audience, and then, John, I'll let you have the last word. Um, first, as I said earlier, when it comes to risk management in the design control sense of the word, my recommendation uh, is to um, limit your discussions, not just what you talk about uh, in verbally, but certainly in writing as well, to the on-label Risks, uh, sorry, to risks associated with the on label use of your, of your device. Um, that's number one. Uh, the other piece of pragmatic advice that I would like to offer the audience is more from a regulatory submission perspective because I spend a lot of my time doing, developing regulatory strategies and uh, presenting and defending regulatory submissions. And I've been in situations at FDA many times where we'll present a particular medical device uh, or drug. And somebody says, uh, well, that's all well and good, but what happens when somebody starts using your product for this, which is not part of our labeling? And I will simply reply, well, that is not uh, currently indicated under our labeling, and uh, therefore we, you know, we, we." we don't have any information on that. And usually that's enough to make the, uh, the the reviewer's question go away. If they persist, and occasionally it's happened, I will be a little more um, uh, resistant, a little more forceful, and I will say, look, that is not on our labeling. And unless and until we as an industry and as well as FDA are willing to sit down And have an intelligent conversation as to whether or how FDA should regulate the uh, off-label, sorry, regulate the practice of medicine. Something that I personally do not advocate. It is not fair for FDA to to hold me, a manufacturer, to a higher level of uh, scrutiny than any other medical device company, or for that matter, any other uh, company in this industry in general. So bottom line, um there is no more of a fan of communication, there's no bigger advocate of communication with FDA than I am, but on the other hand, uh I will offer the appropriate resistance when I think it's necessary. So those are the two things that I think uh I wanted to leave the audience with. John, I'll give you the the last word and then we'll wrap it up. All right, sounds great. Um yeah,
0: you know, I just want, you know, everyone to realize that risk management can be overwhelming if you let it um, you know, t- approach it from a from a from a process point of view, and and I, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but but ISO 14971, as far as standards are concerned, it's, it's one of the better ones that you're going to come across in in the med device industry, in in my humble opinion. Uh, there is um, steps that are outlined. Uh, it gives you kind of a, a breakdown of of, of a step by step process from a risk management standpoint. So use that as a guide. I, I can't emphasize that enough. But you know. One of the things that, you know, my final word is, you know, we've we've been doing these podcasts as a way to inform you and, and you know, you know, it's powered by Greenlight.guru. And, and Greenlight.guru is about to change the way you do risk management. We've got a, a new uh, module that's, that's available that uh, allows you to easily conduct risk management activities uh, that is going to comply with 14971. And it's also going to integrate with your design control activities. And it's going to allow you to keep your risk management file alive throughout your entire product lifecycle. So be sure to check us out. Our website is greenlight.guru. Uh, you can also visit Mike. He's available on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you can uh, check him out on uh, a number of other industry publications. He's, he's you know, searched for Mike Drews, and that's D-R-U-E-S. And you'll come across some wonderful content and podcasts and and other information from Mike. So uh, without further ado, thank you for for listening in to the Global Medical Device Podcast, and uh, thank you, Mike, for for being the guest today. And uh, we'll look forward to to having a conversation about risk or design control or some other pertinent topic to the medical device
1: industry in the not-too-distant future. Well, thanks, John. It was a pleasure to be with you and your audience as well, and I look forward to speaking again soon.